it's just such a, a, a tragic circumstance that uh, I think all of us as Manitobans are affected. And I would uh, take very seriously also um, the need to thank the first responders who are on the scene delivering uh, that uh, compassionate uh, response that's needed at this time, but also uh, to take a moment to um, reflect on the impact that uh, the day's events must have on them as well. Manitoba NDP leader Wab Canoe reacting to this tragedy. And let's talk to a volunteer first responder now, my friend Jerry, the medic, Jerry Desjardins. Jerry, good morning. Good morning, Al. You and I were texting yesterday as the news was coming out about this and and the numbers of deaths. And uh, I imagine that at least some, maybe all of the first people on the scene yesterday were maybe volunteer first responders. I can't imagine what it must have been like for them to come on that horrific scene. Yes, and the term first responder is usually a reserve for, say, police, fire, and ambulance. And But anybody could have been a first responder yesterday. You could have had an off-duty nurse, off-duty doctor, a security guard that has first aid training. You could have had someone who's taken a first aid course. Um, anybody driving by, even, you know, truck drivers, people in their regular vehicles, they could have had some knowledge and training. As soon as they stop and, and walk over to the scene, they are considered a first responder. Um, mm-hmm. Probably for an incident like that, it would have been the volunteer firefighters that would have showed up. They could be just regular firefighters. They could be a firefighter medic. Um, you know, the only difference between a volunteer firefighter and, and a a career firefighter is one gets paid and the other one doesn't, but the training is all the same. But it's rough for everybody because it's physical and mental stress on us. When we come, I can't imagine, it, Jerry. I, I'm I'm just yeah. going to interrupt you. I, I just want to. Yeah. I can't imagine what that must be like. And you know, I mean, I guess these first responders, as I said, in many cases, a volunteer like you, they're signing up for this. But do you ever? Can you ever prepare yourself? for a scene like that? No, because there's no courses that we can take. Um, I mean, you can take lots of, you know, physical, academic um, training, uh, practical hands-on training. But, you know, anytime you get to an incident, you're looking, you're smelling, you're listening, you're using some of your senses. And that can be with you for, you know, hours, for days, for weeks, even for years, because they cannot prepare us for everything that we're going to see out there. Mm-hmm. And 15 dead, 10 take it to hospital. I mean, this is, uh, you know, these numbers are are unusual. Um, but I would imagine coming on any scene where there's injury and potentially death, that, that has to be so difficult. Of course. And, you know, we all sign up for this job where it's, you know, whether it's paid or not, it's because we want to help people. We want to save lives um, and, and look after each other. Uh, but you get to there. Um, of course, you have to triage. You got to find out uh, who's stable, who's unstable, who's critical, and stuff like that. Um, and you got to prioritize. You got to call in for more support and resources. You know, you know, they called lots of help in yesterday for this incident. And it's you know, you, you pull up and you go, man, where do I start, right? Um, and then you start processing. And you know, somebody has to be incident commander to take charge of the scene. And, you know, you're barking orders, do this, do this, go there, do that, stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's usually controlled chaos, um, but, I mean, we're, we all got a job to do, and it doesn't matter what department you're on. 
but after the fact, you know, like it never bothers me that day after I've been to a, a bad call. Um, and another thing is we talked about this yesterday is, uh, you know, can you talk about your worst call? Don't even ask us because we'll never tell you because any call can be a bad call for us. That's why you called 911. Maybe sure. ask us what our best call is. Um, what's our most rewarding because we'll give you a date, time, location, place type thing because maybe we delivered a baby. Maybe we uh, saved somebody that was in cardiac arrest. Maybe we helped an injured child, right? We all Mm. like those calls and we all remember those calls. The other ones we want to forget sometimes. Yeah, for sure. And then, I mean, yesterday too, right? I mean, uh, the flames and so many things to deal with. You're not just dealing with... Uh, uh, injuries, you're dealing with people that have passed and you're, you know, trying to put out the flames of a fire, just, as you said, just so many things to deal with. I, I, I keep saying this, but I just can't imagine coming on that scene, whether it's your job or not, and having to deal with what many of us have seen in, in pictures and, and video from yesterday. Yes, and but you know when we arrive on the scene, we're all professionals, and we get in, start doing the job, um, and you know it. it we we uh, we block out the bad stuff. We want to deal with some of the good stuff, and it never affects me personally on the scene and after the scene after we're helping clean up and stuff like that. When does it affect me? It always affects me the next day. You know, my spouse Andrea, she sees that in me. I'm quiet. I just you know want to be left alone maybe in a corner, um, unless you have a partner that's in the same business as us, we really don't want to talk about it. I mean, Andrea sure is in the same business, uh, being a medic as well, so I can unload on her on you know what I've seen, what I did, maybe what I didn't do, stuff like that. But anybody mm-hmm. else, they don't want to hear because it yeah. could be graphic and it's just going to mess them up as well too. Um, yeah. So there's there's quiet days for us. Um, and you know, it, it'll pass or it won't pass. Maybe we actually have to get professional help. Mm-hmm. Jerry, thanks for this. I've, I've got to cut this a bit short because I want to get the mayor humbled on, but I appreciate the, the call and, and you communicating with me yesterday. Thanks a lot. Yes. Thanks Al. Anytime. Jerry Desjardins, Jerry, the medic, he is a volunteer first responder. pleased to bring on now the mayor of Humboldt, Saskatchewan, Michael Behill. Mr. Mayor, good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. I don't know about you, but as I was listening to this news break yesterday, I was going, oh no, not again. Absolutely. I I was on the highway traveling to a meeting and uh, I heard it and it just put an instant pit in the bottom of my stomach. Mm-hmm. Any advice uh, or thoughts for Dauphin and and Carberry as well, and and all of Manitoba? I mean, I, I'm sure you feel like Manitoba was there for you, and the rest of Canada and even the world was there for you. I appreciate you being on our air today and and being there for Dauphin, Carberry, and all Manitobans as we go through this. Thank you. You're, you're correct. You know, Manitoba was home to me for a brief period of time, and it doesn't matter if it wasn't. The, the outpouring of support we received from around the world makes us extremely grateful, and we want to extend those same kinds of support and caring as much as we possibly can around the world back in return when these things happen. Um, 
you know, the best thing I can say right now is just don't be afraid to be upset. And so many people, myself included, tried to stay strong and keep a stiff upper lip. And it, it, it hits you a lot harder when you have to finally let that sink through. But know that you're not alone. There are millions of people here who have that shoulder to cry on and have that shoulder to prop you up when you need it. And, it, you know, one of the first things I did when I heard it was I, I sent off an email because I knew he wouldn't be able to answer his phone to the mayor of Dauphin and said, if you need anything, just, just call. We're, we're there for you instantly. It's, mm-hmm. it's that kind of showing of displays of support and caring that it's going to help these communities get through and, and to keep themselves together. Yeah. This is early, right? Just happened yesterday. Uh, we're going to get an update at noon today from HSC Health Sciences Center here in Winnipeg, where we hope to learn more. This investigation is not going to take days or, or even months. It will likely take years, won't it? It will indeed. And it's, uh, as I said in, in a, an interview earlier this morning, that, you know, we're now a little past five years and it still resonates when you speak about it, it's um, you, the best way I can describe it is that people say a scar never heals; it just gets less noticeable, and that is the that unfortunately is going to be the reality of this tragedy as well. That people will not ever forget about it. It's going to be there, and it's going to just be less and less painful to think about mm-hmm. as the time passes and the years go by. Yeah. I've made a point today of saying, for today anyhow, let's make this about the lives lost, their loved ones, the people who are in hospital recovering, and we're we're praying for them, hoping and praying that the news is good at noon today when we carry that news conference live here on CJOB. Um, and I don't want to get into blame. The investigation is just underway. We'll we'll see exactly what happened here, just the way we you know waited to see what happened with the crash that affected your community so severely. But the Trans Canada Highway is Canada's main highway. Uh, there's lots of traffic. It travels fast. I've had many people today say, you know, we need cloverleafs and overpasses and things like that that we see in other countries, right, like Europe and and the U.S., and we don't see much of that here. How do you feel about that now, five years after what happened uh, in Humboldt? You know, there have been many things that have come as a result of our tragedy, and I'm sure there will be many positive things that come as a result of this tragedy in terms of safety for future situations it's um it's tough to say though whether or not these tragedies would have actually happened had those things been in place and it's always a hindsight situation i never ever shy away from anything that could create some positive outcome so i i would hope that some things such as those clover leaves and stuff may be an option it's the the sad part of the reality is it's going to help to make the future better it's not going to change the present. And yeah. that's that's the toughest part to grapple with right now is sitting there going these what ifs. And I would strongly encourage all those that are in a bad way today not to think about those what ifs or what could have happened, but to just try to process the reality and 
lean on each other for support because those what ifs are what's going to eat you alive. Mm-hmm. What's going to be the biggest challenge now for Dauphin and and for the whole province and and the people uh, in it and uh, you know for the people who've lost loved ones and the ones recovering from injury? What's what's going to be the biggest challenge now, Mister Mayor? I personally feel that the, one of the biggest challenges I had was a sense of helplessness and, and, you know, knowing that this has happened and that I can't do anything to fix it or to bring anybody back. And those, those are the things, you know, just knowing what's happened and thinking, as I said, those, what ifs you need to try and block them out. The biggest challenge is simply to try and stay mentally healthy, emotionally stable and, I really encourage anybody who's in those bad ways to reach out to a neighbor, a friend, you know, a professional, a, a minister or pastor, whatever the case may be, someone who can offer you some insight and help you get through these times so that you're not making yourself sick or in a worse situation. Mm-hmm. Michael, I appreciate you coming on today. You've got our back. You said that, and you have it, because I'm hearing from my listeners in text messages and emails as we talk how important uh, it is for them that you're on our air today sending your best to Dauphin and Carberry and, and everybody else and obviously the families that have been impacted by what happened yesterday. Thank you so much for this. I really appreciate it, and as you know, we wish you all the best as well there. Thank you very much, Hal. And anything that we can do for those cities, please don't hesitate to have them reach out to us. Will do. Thank you. Thank you. You take care. The mayor of Humboldt, Saskatchewan, joining us, Michael B. Hill. And and I did have that sinking feeling yesterday as I heard about this crash. And, oh, boy, it's a bad one. And And then when I heard the number of people that are dead, 15, and 10 taken to hospital. You can't help but think about that bus crash, the crash with the truck involving the Humboldt Broncos. I can't believe it's five years already, but you can't help but make that connection when you see this much loss of life on the same highway, the Trans-Canada Highway, and this time it's here in Manitoba. Getting lots of text messages and emails from you, and I wanted to read one um, here from Kat, who's a friend of ours who listens and, and writes in quite often from Gimli. And she makes a really good point. We talked to Jerry, the medic, who's a volunteer first responder. And, you know, obviously the first responders yesterday that were on scene helping out at the beginning of uh, and, and all through uh, that yesterday, just they're heroes. They really, truly are. And Kat makes a good point in her text message here to 780-6868. Hal, I'd like to say a word on behalf of tow truck drivers in respect to highway accidents. We usually don't think about what happens after an accident scene is analyzed, but very often a tow truck driver has to stand by while all this is still happening, and they too witness some horrific things, some horrifying things. My son was quite young when he worked with a towing company, saw the aftermath of many accidents. He's had to block it out and still sometimes has nightmares about it. Anything that we can do for those cities, please don't hesitate to have them reach out to us.
Michael B. Hill, the mayor of Humboldt, Saskatchewan, joining us just minutes ago. Let's bring in Dauphin's mayor now, David Boziak. Good morning, Mr. Mayor. Hi, Hal. How are you? My my condolences uh, to you and your city and the people in it, and especially um, the people who lost their lives, their families, and, and the ones that are injured. And we're going to be carrying live here on CGOB that news conference at noon from Health Sciences Center. Uh, the mayor of Humboldt said, first thing this morning, he sent you an email wanting you to know that he's there if you need him. What, what did that mean to you? Uh, we've had tremendous support um, from across the country, to be quite honest with you, Hal. And and I know that our city manager reached out to Humboldt yesterday immediately upon knowing the, the magnitude of this situation. And they were very forthcoming with, with support and information. And I talked to the former mayor of um, Humboldt, Humboldt through messaging this morning um, about, uh, you know, reaching out and helping us. So uh, the, the amount of support that we're getting um, is is a wonderful at this time. Um, you know, we're going through various stages of grief and and uh, just shock and, and uh, all kinds of emotions. But uh, we appreciate it and, um, you know, we'll eventually, we'll pull through this. But right now it's tremendously difficult. Mm-hmm. Mr. Mayor, I appreciate you coming on, and and I know you were on the start this morning, and I, I promise we won't bug you uh, as much as we have over the past 24 hours, but I just want you to know that the citizens of Winnipeg and Manitobans are really hurting for you, and you coming on the air um, is helpful. So I hope you understand that that is my motivation for wanting to have you back on just a few hours after you were, you were already on it. It matters to, to the people out there that are hurting with you. Well, and that's, that's um, reassuring and we appreciate that tremendously. Um, I know I've mentioned to many folks this morning, uh, as I've been chatting to different uh, media outlets and, and um, you know they've asked what can we do and or what message do you like to share and and what I've been repeatedly saying to people is if you know someone in our community, if mm-hmm. you know someone who's been living in Dauphin in the past and is Im- impacted in this directly or indirectly, just reach out, let them know you care because I know that that is helpful. And conversely, as we share information as we get it, we know that um, that's a bit reassuring for those folks who are, are waiting to hear. So, yeah, it's a it's a very fluid uh, process and and a lot of activity is going on in the community today and everybody is dealing with it in their own way. But um, uh, we're confident that, um, you know, we're all pulling in the, the right direction and or in the same direction and that, um, you know, it'll all work out eventually. Yeah. Um, just so you know, I started my show, even before I said good morning, I started my show with that message from you from earlier this morning. And, and I agree. I think that's uh, that's maybe the most important thing that we can say or do today. Um, you've had a few hours now. I know there's a crisis center set up in, in Dauphin. What more information can you give us from your city this morning? Um, what I can confirm is that we're working right now with our rec services um, folks. Um, we'll be setting up a, 
uh, center, uh, resource center at the curling rink a little bit later on this afternoon uh, so that if people in the community, um, uh, I know mental health has contacted us and the Prairie Mountain Health folks, and uh, they wanted to know a location that they could start uh, directing people to if they were so interested. So so that's what we're working on right now. I, I can't be definitive in all of the specific details because it's a work in progress, but that's what we're working towards. And uh, there'll be a, a bit of information coming out through our social media channels as we confirm uh, some of those details. Mm-hmm. And again, 15 people killed in this crash, 10 sent to HSC. We've got that news conference, as I said, live here on CGOB at noon today. Um, but how difficult is it uh, for you and the people in your city not being able to learn really important information, uh, you know, almost 24 hours later? That must be just heart-wrenching. It, it's it's difficult, but the advice we were given um, right out of the right out of the shoot from the RCMP and from the city of Humboldt was, if you don't have confirmed factual information to share, it's right. better to not share any information. And so, mm-hmm. um, as as frustrating as that may be for some people. Um, we believe that until we can confirm information, um, it's better to not say anything. So, yeah, I get it, and I appreciate how people are feeling. But I know that the RCMP are working as hard as they can, and, and the Paramount Health folks, and, and the information that we're getting from Health Sciences Center, as you can imagine, this is a, a very complicated situation. And, uh, again, we're appreciative of all those people that um, were on the front lines yesterday, especially the you know, the EMT folks and the first responders that showed up. Um, I, my heart goes out to those people as well. Um, it's just a it's just a sad situation all around. And um, as we continue to deal with it, um, as long as we can continue to stick together and work together, um, I think there's comfort and support in, in that. Mr. Mayor, I promised I wouldn't keep you long, but I appreciate you jumping on for a quick update. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. David Boziak, the mayor of... Dauphin, the city is mourning. And I'm feeling for Carberry. I I mentioned that at the start of the show, too. I think it's easy, uh, or it makes sense, obviously, to focus in on Dauphin, uh, because the people that were uh, killed and injured here are primarily from Dauphin and area. But I think just having your community's name in in headlines like this, Carberry, I feel bad for Carberry. And uh, the whole province is hurting, including the city of Winnipeg, as I said to uh, the mayor of Humboldt, Saskatchewan. Let's bring in Dr. Cyrus Dirksen now, drcyrus.com, D-R-S-Y-R-A-S.com. Cyrus, good morning. Good morning, Hal. Thanks for having me on. No, and, and we will get to some of the stuff we were planning on talking about, but I, I do want to ask you about the reality of what happened near Carberry. 15 dead, uh, 10 injured, uh, Dauphin, Carberry, the whole province, the city of Winnipeg, we're all in shock and mm-hmm. mourning. Uh, details uh, are few at this point. We're hoping for more in this news conference at noon, but um, any advice as people deal with this loved ones and family members that have lost somebody these people that are coming back from their injuries and we wish them all the best any thoughts as a psychologist this morning 
Well, I mean, obviously this is, you know, terrible and terrible for people to go through. And, uh, you know, our hearts go out to everybody who's involved in whatever way, uh, all the families and, and the people who are in the crash and all the people helping out. So, uh, you know, this is uh, one of those things that kind of changes everything for people. You know, it changes your reality. And, uh, the you know, the first step, and, I, and you even said it, you said the word shock, and I think that is kind of that first step that people experience that first uh, thing when it, when you hit, when it hits you and it's when the unbelievable is now right in front of you, when the thing that felt like it wouldn't happen or couldn't happen and would never happen to you is actually sitting there and looking at you in the face. And this is true for, you know, obviously the people involved in their families. And it's also true for people who are involved in working with them and hospital staff and things like that. It's just like, I can't believe this happened is often that, phrase that people have and that's the phrase that you're dealing with as a helper you're kind of like you're not necessarily working on all the details and complicated emotions you're you're there and you're just providing information and um and some kind of you know uh, warmth emotionally um and you know allowing people to have space making room for people you know giving them time not having many expectations of anybody in that moment and uh, allowing them to be with people who they find comforting, you know, having that physical presence. Um, so I don't know if it has to be complicated. It just uh, has to be kind of warm, has to be informational, and um, and there has to be space for people just for their brains to kind of begin to grapple with what's happened to them. I'm sure others are feeling this way too, Cyrus, but life is so precious and when something like this happens so shocking so close to home uh, this magnitude of loss mm. it really does i think cause you to go boy you know this is precious and and we need to i don't know enjoy it more or i don't i don't know i i'm having a hard time making my thoughts make sense on the radio <laughs> this morning but i think you know what i'm getting at oh for sure i think that you know, we have our values. Sometimes people will even take the time to state their values, although most of the time they're unstated. And then when you have these things that are important to you, you do things to make those things possible. So, you know, like, for example, most people don't have money as their primary value, but money helps you with all of your other values, like family, and, um, you know, health and uh, rest. And so you need money to make all of those things happen. And so then you get caught up in making money or doing tasks that, are towards those goals. And sometimes you get so caught up into that. I shouldn't say sometimes. Most of the time you get so caught up in these things that are that are important to your values but aren't your value. And I'm not, it's not my value to do this thing, but it helps me to actually make my value happen. You get so caught up in that that you forget about your values. It's like, well, you, know, you just kind of get caught up in always going to work and you forget the fact that you're going to work in order to have time to spend with your children. And you forget your children in that process. And it's moments like this that shake us out of the things that we do to make our values happen and make us focus just on our values. And it's like, Oh, wow. I'm doing all these things because I love my family, but I actually just really love my family. And all those things that I'm doing actually aren't as important as my family. And these moments kind of wake us all up to that of like, what's really important, why we're really going to work, why we're doing all these things that maybe aren't as important. We're doing it for this. And, uh, yeah, these moments, uh, you know, you can start to talk about, although it can be insensitive, things that, you know, good things that can come out of difficult moments. And uh, maybe it's too early to talk about that. But one of them is 
lining up our lives with what's important. And so that can happen for Winnipeg. You know, like when you see something like this, it's like, okay, Winnipeg, what's really important to you? Yeah. Boy, you said that much better. You should be on the radio, Cyrus. You did a great job of explaining that after I messed it up. (laughs) Oh, it's tough. These moments kind of leave you speechless sometimes. And and that's okay, too. You know, that's okay, too. Yeah. Um, I want to skip to, uh, normally we talk about three different headlines. Uh, I want to skip to number two and number three because they deal with anxiety and stress. And people may be feeling anxiety and stress today after all that other stuff that we just talked about. So headline number two here, a new way to tame your anxiety. I don't know anybody who's not dealing with anxiety these days. What's the new way to tame it? Well, it's funny to try to think of opposites, right? You know, like what's the opposite of anxiety? And you could probably say calm or something like that. Most people would say rest or, you know, a physical state of relaxation or something like that. But it's kind of interesting because there's another contender here, which this article is pointing out, which is what's the opposite of anxiety? It might very well be curiosity. Uh, anxiety is about disliking uncertainty and usually trying to avoid it. Uh, whereas curiosity is kind of the enjoyment of uncertainty uh, and pursuit of it. You're kind of going into uncertainty. I'm going to read a mystery novel because I like the mystery. I like, I'm curious about what's going to happen. And so, and one of the wonderful things about the word curiosity or the idea of curiosity is that when you say it to people, we have an affinity for it. We like that word. We like that process. Most people like the idea of saying that they're curious people. Most anxious people will stay still say things like, Oh, I like curiosity. And so by orienting people to curiosity can often help them to have a framework on how they might want to approach something that makes them anxious. And so yeah. it's like, well, I'm, social, I'm socially anxious. Well, are you curious about people? Yeah. It's like, oh, well, like, think about it like you're being curious about them and uh, like you're a reporter or like you're, and then they go, oh, I am curious about them. And then that helps them to think through how they want to approach that uncertainty. Mm-hmm. I've done it. I, I've done that early in my career. I can think of times when I was doing, you know, something in front of a big crowd for the first time or, or whatever, and I was mm-hmm. nervous about it. And instead of stressing and being anxious about it, I said, hey, what a cool opportunity. This is going to mm-hmm. be a, a ride like no other. I, I wonder mm-hmm. what it's going to be like, right? And when yeah. you put that positive spin on it, I think you're right. It, it, it can help. Um, the other headline here for Dr. Cyrus, a surprising effective way of coping with stress. Okay, so a new way to tame your anxiety. What about stress? Well, this one was, uh, maybe it's it's interesting. It's kind of funny. It's uh, just uh, do something that cleans something. So cleaning is something that for some reason helps us to reduce our stress, helps us to reduce our anxiety. In some ways, it kind of, you might feel like that's true. Of course, if I clean something, I feel less anxious. If I'm in a clean space, I'm less stressed. And and that can seem to make sense just because it's from our experience as human beings and it's true for most of us. But if you think about it logically, like how does me shampooing my hair make me feel less stressed? And yet it does. It does. And so obviously this can go too far and you can get into like OCD like behaviors where you're repeatedly cleaning yourself or cleaning your environment in order to reduce uh, stress. But it, it could be used helpfully for some people. If you're feeling stressed, you know, the, the study that they actually did was on kind of cleaning yourself with water, or like, you know, like having a shower or something like that. So if you're feeling stressed, uh, you know, getting your environment cleaned um, and taking a shower, cleaning yourself, these are things that could potentially help you to get into a better frame of mind. 
This was actually, uh, was it yesterday or the day before? It was the answer to our tough trivia question that mm. people uh, at night clean the house. There are some people that clean the house <laughs> because it eases stress. And I was saying my wife Jackie does it. Now, I don't know if it's stress-related or not. Maybe I'll, I should ask her. I just always sort of went, why are you, why are you doing that? It's 10 or 10.30 at night, you know, but she seems to find that a good time to do it. Hey, Cyrus, and, and thanks for the, the great advice and the, and the cool mm. words on uh, the tragedy and, and how mm. we all deal with it. Thanks a lot. Yeah, for sure. Thank you, Hal. Cyrus Dirksen, DrCyrus.com, D-R-S-Y-R-A-S.com.